really organically, really like spontaneously. It's not just going in there and making a noise, folks. <laughs> the Classic Rock Files with Kelly Parker and Mike Young. Hi, Mike. Hi, Kelly. You know what? This is really, really remarkable. Bob Dylan's got the new album out, Rough and Rowdy Ways, debuted at number two on the U.S. Billboard charts, set a new record in the process. He is now the only artist to have achieved a top 40 album in the U.S. in every decade since the 1960s. Yeah, like, think about that for just a second. That's a lot of decades. Seven decades, to it be specific. Seven. A okay. record that uh, I don't know if it will ever be broken, the way music today comes and goes so quickly, artists come and go so quickly. Bob Dylan has just always been there. And the number of top 40 albums proves it because it's not just seven decades worth. It's eight in the 60s, 14 in the 70s, seven in the 80s, four in the 90s, seven in the 2000s, nine in the 2010s. And now this is his first in the 2020s. Nine top 40 albums in the 2010s. Just think about that for a second. Yes, and I will say that the majority of those are re-releases and uh, bootleg sessions. So it's yeah. like a three or four disc compilation. Why do you have to do that? Why do you have to cut them it's down un- like that? It's, it's unheard huge... music. It's just, <laughs> these are B-sides, these are demos, yeah. these are periods of his career. Yeah. But they are still charting in the top 40 when they come up because Bob Dylan has such a huge fan base that he's cultivated since the 60s. What's amazing about this, I think, is the fact that he's changed so much over the years. He's gone through all of these periods. He's gone through the gospel period, then this period, then that period, then the Americana period. And right through it all, that fan base is stuck with him. Now, these are top 40 albums. He, he's had number ones before, though, right? Number one albums? Yes, he has had five number one albums, most recently in 2009 See, right there, 2009 for a number one album after that many decades. I mean, Paul McCartney's last album uh, got to number one, his first in 30 years, which was remarkable enough just a couple of years ago, but uh, that's just insane. What I was going to say was it's not just that he's been on that chart you know, a couple times, and he's had a couple of number one albums. Through all of these changes that he's had in his career, stylistic changes, and even in his uh, later career when you can't really understand him at all, still with the top 40 albums. He's gone up and down in popularity over the years. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the 2000s specifically saw him have a huge resurgence and capture a much younger fan base with his music. I think the Time Out of Mind record, Mm -hmm. uh, Modern Theft, I think was the name of another one, something like that. Um, Those albums really got a lot of buzz on you know, sites like Pitchfork and Rolling Stone and Spin Magazine really yeah. reviewed those well. And uh, yeah, he, he still keeps going. It's it's funny because this was a number two album in the U.S. Over in the U.K., he was had number one album of the week, followed closely by Neil Young in at the number two spot. So 2020, huh. June, we got Neil Young and Bob Dylan as the top two albums. That's wild. And another surprising thing is it, it seemed like early on Dylan's fans might be just a little bit fickle because they got so pissed at him at the Newport Festival when he went electric. And they were throwing stuff at him at the stage. I mean, it's a it's a famous moment in music history. It seemed like a lot of them would have dumped him at that point. And then he's gone through these stylistic changes. Nope, they've been loyal. Yeah, they have. And uh, Bob Dylan has never been afraid to, to do what he wants to do, even if his fans might not like it or he gets some advice that maybe, maybe that's not the best idea. Yeah. I'm just going to do what I want to do and people come along for the ride, great. If they don't, great. You know who else does that? Neil Young. Yeah, he does that. Yeah, I admire that. Okay, Jesse Willard Carr. You know him as Pete Carr. Or, more specifically, you've probably never heard of the guy, but he was a guitarist for the famous Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section. Died 
a couple of days ago, the age of 70 years old. And, of course, if you don't know anything about the Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section, arguably the most in-demand session group in uh, the U.S. during the 70s, Pete Carr recorded as part of that group with some of the biggest names in music, was on albums with Bob Seger, Paul Simon, Rod Stewart, Joe Cocker, just to name a few. Very valued in that band, according to Rodney Hall, who was a record producer. He said, I've got to say here that I think Pete Carr contributed more to Muscle Shoals music than any other guitar player to come through Muscle Shoals. That's saying something. There was Jimmy Johnson and Dwayne Allman, and Dwayne wasn't here but about a year, and Jimmy is a great rhythm player, but as far as lead goes, Pete's the man. And he originally was sort of tied up with uh, Greg and Dwayne Allman. Uh, they met at a club, and they were all part of a band called Hourglass. This is prior to the Allman Brothers Band. And then Carr ended up becoming the studio musician. But it was the Wrecking Crew in Los Angeles, the Funk Brothers of Motown, and it was the Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section. And probably a fourth one, I can't remember what the band was called, but at Chess Records, there was also a uh, famous in-house band. But those were the big four. Rodney Hall, the producer, says he was the man. Of course, as you mentioned, the number of incredible musicians that he played with and for, uh, the list is long. But he said, I always thought Paul Simon was fantastic, in the same league as the Beatles. He worked with uh, Simon on There Goes Ryman Simon in 1975, still crazy after all these years. He says when Paul Simon walked into the studio the first time, it was very awe-inspiring. He said, I remember vividly as he walked through the front door and I saw his face, and I had taught myself an acoustic guitar instrumental that he did on an earlier Simon and Garfunkel album. I always thought he was one of the best, if not the best songwriter ever. He said, Paul Simon, Bob Dylan, John Lennon, and Paul McCartney, my favorites. And this guy would know. That might be a nice Mount Rushmore of songwriters right there. You know what? There's another good over beers argument. Two of those are UK, two of those are US. So you could yeah. have a British Mount Rushmore, which mm -hmm. wouldn't make sense. But an American Mount Rushmore... As far as songwriters go, Paul Simon and Bob Dylan, I mean, those are shoo-ins, I yep. think. I don't think anyone can argue them off of Mount Rushmore as far as U.S. songwriters go. Exactly. In his later years, actually, as impressive as his musical resume was, he studied computer science, focusing on creating digital data storage solutions for music, which might have been what Neil Young used to create his Poco music I player. I thought it was Ponto. I don't know. I can't remember. What it looked was. like a Toblerone bar. Yes. Either way, it came and went. Not as successful as the Toblerone no, Bar, though. No, and not as delicious either. Carr was inducted into the Musicians Hall of Fame in Nashville in 2008, and he is gone now. Another one gone at the age of 70. And finally here, I'm a big fan of this story. Some New Jersey nerds in a Slipknot tribute act posted a Craigslist ad looking for their next Corey Taylor or somebody who would play Corey Taylor in the band. Yeah, so uh, they posted the Craigslist. I'll read you the uh, ad. It said, We are an established Slipknot tribute band, dubbed the most accurate Slipknot tribute in the world. We focus on their 1999 to 2001 album and touring cycle and plan on moving through the other eras. We are in need of someone in the same or near same physical shape as Corey Taylor, 5'8", that has the same vocal range. Stage experience is a must. Be able to command a crowd and act the part. You would need to buy multiple jumpsuits, etc. A mask will be provided for now for accuracy's sake. But eventually that implies you'd have to get your own mask. As when they tackle the other arrows, of course. Sure. Uh, please be dedicated. If you decide to be part of this band, we need you to give it your all for as long as the band exists. Thank you for reading this far. Please contact us if you feel that you fit the part. Now, here's the delicious part. Corey Taylor himself posted the link to the ad on Twitter. And he said, quote, if you're interested, I'm also sitting at about 166 pounds. That is good work. I hope in some weird universe, Corey Taylor shows up and plays one 
show with these guys. I mean, he already knows all the songs. It's very easy. You just show up, you play, but he doesn't say anything about it because he's wearing a mask and people think, wow, this guy's really good. And then somewhere down the line, years later, it's revealed that Corey Taylor played with this band. That's when you go instant legend. He's that like, is an instant this, legend move. He could just contact these guys. Hey, this will be hilarious. We'll do this show. I'll act like I'm the new lead singer, but I'm really not because I'm me, and no one will know because, again, mask. Even better, you know how some people, you think you know what they look like, but then if you saw them on the street, they could walk right by you. You could look directly at them and somehow not think, well, that's Corey Taylor walking by me because you don't expect to see him on the street. He could go out there. Unless he's wearing his mask. They Maybe always... with the mask. Say, let's get started with this rehearsal, boys. Right? Yeah. And they say, you're in. They do the first show. Maybe it's his thing. Maybe he gets into character by wearing the mask to rehearsal, to the shows, and home from the shows. Never takes the mask off in front of them. He's like a Mexican luchador. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> and then later on, he tells them and the world it was them that, now that I think about it, even bigger legend move. He's a musical version of El Santo. Finally, just on the way out the door here, virtual Junos were held last night. They were supposed to be a couple of months ago in Regina. Was it Regina or Saskatoon? Somewhere in Saskatchewan. I have no idea. They were <laughs> I believe, with all due respect to Saskatchewan, it was going to be somewhere in Saskatchewan. I believe, with all due respect to the Junos, <laughs> that if we weren't talking about this right now, no one would have cared or noticed that the Junos were given away that yesterday. Is, that's an accurate statement, probably. Yet, there are some notables. Yes. Uh, so, Alternative Album of the Year was won by a band called Pup. P-U-P. They are out of Toronto. This is their third album. It's called Morbid Stuff. Very happy for them. Uh, it's a great album. If you are a fan of punk music that's not abrasive, you should check them out. Great. Uh, rock Album of the Year went to the Glorious Sons. They are from Kingston, a real hotbed. Because everybody that is great is from Kingston. Weren't they supposed to be here in town? I think they had a show in the yes, spring. Yes, they did, and that didn't happen. Did not happen. Uh, their album is called A War on Everything. It's their third album. Not only is it their third album, it's their third Rock Album of the Year nomination and their second win in a row Good in that category. Brian Adams making waves. Not in any rock category. He wins Adult Contempo Album of the Year. So there we are, Brian. Yeah, he's he settled in nicely. Yep. Um, and then this one, I just literally found out about this band today. I don't know if that's a slight against them or me or the industry in general. Striker. Look, you don't even know that Saskatchewan exists or well, was going to host the Junos. Well, this band's out of Edmonton, and I know that's in Alberta. Okay. Um, <laughs> Carry on. Because it's something to look forward to while I drive through Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. So wow, the band is Saskatchewan called. Saskatchewan taking some. The band is called Striker. Yep. That doesn't have a Y in it, so nope. like Striper. This is accurate spelling, Striker. Uh, they won Metal Hard Music Album of the Year. The album is called Play to Win. It's their sixth record. And if you've never heard these guys, I listened to this album today. Couldn't put it down. Awesome. It's like Canadian Judas Priest. It's so good. Right Give on. these guys a listen. They are definitely a band to watch. And hopefully this Juno win propels them into the next level. Striker from Edmonton. Giddy up. Gets the big thumbs up from Mike Young. Also, did it strike you, speaking of striker, hard music album as a category? Does that seem odd to you? Yeah, again, the Junos. <laughs> <laughs> They're not quite hip to the jive. Okay. It's odd. Well, congratulations to all of those people. That is the Classic Rock Files 94.3 The Drive Music Director, Mike Young. Thank you. Thank you.